when there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. <laughs> Pandaria, her hills of gold, in dark and mournful times of old, did once a hopeless horror hold. When from her sacred veil did spring, with storm and flash, a monstrous thing, his name, Lei Shen, the Thunder King. Welcome back to the Gallows Ends, to episode 12 of the Level 90 Undead Rogue Podcast. I am your host, Ian Bergen, and this week we're sharpening the knives and getting ready to dissect patch 5.2. Preparation for your listening pleasure this week. Our topics are BlizzCon 2013's been announced. We're going to have a brief look at the 5.2 lore, the replica weapons from the Thunder, 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 Thunder Forge, and the ZA raid gear returns as greens. We're getting ready for the post 5.2 economy. Are you, and what should you be farming up? How to maximize your PvE and PvP starting gear for patch 5.2 and what you should have already done to get ahead. The currencies in 5.2. Avatar has appeared in our World of Warcraft. And taking the farm or buying your farm. And for those who love their solos and getting their solo on, all of your Sunwells are now solo. And of course, what would the L90 URP be without its own resident ganker? The one... The only, Mr. James Hartman. Hello, everybody. It's been a long time since I've been back on here, but glad to be back to especially uh, discussing the 5.2 raids and new content that's coming out. Yeah, see, James does exist. I didn't bury his body. I didn't, like, stick him in a shallow grave. James still exists, and he's alive and well. Yeah, it was got a little rough there for a bit. Um, was being hunted down for a little bit because of switching from Horde to Alliance and had a lot of angry, angry orcs after me. And goblins can be tricky, but I was able to survive it. See, that's pro. That's real pro. So let's dive right into this. BlizzCon 2013, James, got announced as November 8th and 9th in Anaheim, Los Angeles. Ticket is booked. Wow, see that? pro <laughs> complete and utter pro so like there this is like the first uh blizzcon we're gonna see in about two years because last year of course for the launch of mr pandaria we had no blizzcon because the boys and gals at blizz had turned around and said hey we can't do a blizzcon and get this freaking game out so we'd rather get the freaking game out so no blizzcon and so everyone this year is like yay we got a blizzcon yeah, I was really excited because last year was going to be that I was would be going with myself and my girlfriend. We were planning to actually plan a trip and go and do other stuff, such as possibly see some friends in San Diego. But uh, it didn't happen. They they didn't announce it. Then they later announced when they normally would, which is earlier in the year, like they did this year, that uh, around May, I guess, uh, they said that they weren't going to have one. Um, it's really disappointing. Uh, but I guess it's a good breather to keep it more anticipated for the excitement. Uh, I've been to BlizzCons before, and they definitely been the previous ones definitely were better because there was less. Um, I guess you could say crowds, but uh, the the year before last was insanely packed. It had a lot of people. And they had so many people. Not everyone got a beta key for that Diablo three. Yeah, there was lots of QQ, and you know what, actually, I'm actually contemplating going to this year's BlizzCon, like, because uh, I'm not actually going to E3 this year, uh, I was thinking, Ooh, I think I may do BlizzCon, so I'm going to see if I can get a ticket, if I can get a ticket, dude, we're going to hook up, drink lots of beer, and and uh, get our geek on at the BlizzCon, but I think <laughs> one of the things that people are a little concerned about, and they've kind of asked this year, and it's kind of like a fair question, really, is, the ticket prices, are they going to take another hike? You know, keep on that BlizzardCon tradition. Hike the ticket prices each freaking year. 
Oh, of course, of course. They even hiked. I mean, the last BlizzCon, they even hiked up the price of the virtual ticket for people. Um, and it's a situation where I guess, you know, there is slight inflation, and they always try to make it bigger and better. And it does actually take a lot of resources from them to throw one because they don't hire contractors or anything like that at a low rate. They're paying their like CSRs and things like that to help set up the the Anaheim Center. Um, and so you're expected to have that little bit, but they've been jumping it up quite a bit. And the value, at least as an individual attendee, really doesn't really increase too well. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's totally true. They actually don't uh, hire like third parties to do it. They actually, like, if you're in-house and you're working in Blizz, you are working at the BlizzCon. But I've kind of been looking at this and going, you know, okay, World of Warcraft and Blizzard's IP as a whole, you know, is colossal it's globally huge i mean we're now at the stage where if numbers take a dive in europe or in asia you know you can see the stock price get a little bit jittery and you can kind of see the questions being asked about it when they start doing the uh the quarterly result calls and the earnings calls for ea activision or sorry not activision blizzard ea activision yeah that will never happen <laughs> activision blizzard and uh it kind of makes me wonder are they now at the stage where they should perhaps start looking at BlizzCons outside the US, maybe alternately one year having them in Europe, another year the US, another year maybe in Asia, and, you know, trying to actually bring that experience to those markets. I mean, it's something that, Jesus, I think they might actually benefit from actually having them because the, the Activision Blizzard showing at the European ones is, it, it, I think they'd benefit from it. Well, that's the whole thing is like uh, they mentioned it before about having something as large and as um, present as a BlizzCon in, in some place other than California, let alone uh, leaving the United States. Um, and they said before that it would just be it would, it would cost too much and be too much of a hassle because they do everything in house and they they live not too far down the street from this, the convention center. So they can actually locate and move things there a little bit easier um, because they even shot down having one on like the east coast uh, rather than west coast of the United States mm. to make it easier for more people that haven't been able to go to one that doesn't live in California um, and I mean they do have the the um, international invitational in Europe um, I'm not sure when the last time they had one of those though they didn't have one last year I don't believe either mm-hmm. um, and China has their own special things they always do. For some reason, they always pair it with Coca-Colas and Pandas, so I'm not sure. Uh, I think they had their last one probably about two years ago as well. Um, well, did, no, China did have like a pretty big launch event thing for Mr. Pandera, though. Mm. Uh, they had a big backing for that. But besides that, I, I don't really see them going... I mean, at least not away from the North America, unless they were to get some other additional, maybe third-party sponsorship, which I don't really think Blizzard's really looking for, unless it was something huge where they incorporated a larger uh, esports event rather than just the World Arena thing um, to to give reason to have it relocate to another country just for even just one year. Yeah, uh, it's it's something that I you know it wouldn't surprise me if one day they turned around and they decided to go down this route. But I can't like after Grinch for the foreseeable future. I don't think it's going to happen. But the next and the final question that only needs to be asked about this BlizzCon, and you know, given the time that it is since the announcement of the last expansion, and it seems to be we're on this timetable of every two years and new expansion getting announced, are we going to see? the next World of Warcraft expansion get announced, given that when they announced this uh, and they were releasing Mr. Pandaria, they said they were already underway with the next expansion. I don't think they're going to mention... I think they're going to try and and refrain from too much boasting on the next expansion for World of Warcraft, possibly, um, because their time frame, as you mentioned, is about a year and a half to two years per expansion pack. So I think we might see that in like BlizzCon 2014, 
Um, I think this year's BlizzCon will probably focus either on like maybe an expansion for Diablo or the third expansion for StarCraft 2 or maybe their new uh, IP that they're coming out, which is going to be another new MMO. Um, they might dare try to have... I mean, that's a very uh, awkward ground that they walk on when having um, this new MMO IP coming out. It's like, is this something that they announce at BlizzCon where they have a lot of people who are there because of World of Warcraft? Um, especially that's going to be competing for the possibly the same memberships. Uh, but at this moment, it's very difficult, especially with their timetables. Um, for for expansions nowadays, it's pretty like uh, predictable, but the expansion for Diablo 2 took out uh, quite a few years um, before they announced anything, so that might, even, might not be a possibility for Diablo 3 since they just finally got it to a balanced point and introduced PvP into it. Yeah. Any who's moving swiftly on to uh, talking about the patch itself. And we just got confirmation earlier on today. They made it officials the 5th of March. In other words, uh, tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening, I think the realms start to go down for you. Uh, and for ourselves in Europe, we'll, we'll be looking then at Wednesday that the 5.2, the Thunder King, is going to hit the live servers. And... Uh, People are excited. You can see that. There's lots of posts flying around on the Twitters and all of our sites like the MMO Champ. And on, there's been a ton of uh, sort of podcast, World of Warcraft podcast community buzz as well the last couple of days. But for those casual players who listen in, they don't tend to delve a lot deep into things, but like to stick on the podcasts in the car, you know, in the gym, or if they want to waste an hour of the man's time and work and listen to some podcasts... You know, the opportune time to do it, or in the bathroom. As I learned this week, apparently 1 in 11 players around the world play video games in the bathroom. <sighs> the fuck knew that? I actually, yeah, seriously, I attended a gaming conference on Thursday and discovered that 1 in 11 players play video games in the bathroom, and 1 in 3 of us play video games in the bedroom in bed. I've done in the bedroom in bed, but... Not to the bathroom. I've never really played a game in the bathroom. Um, I mean, I guess I'm not on the toilet long enough. Maybe. I mean, I've texted on the bathroom before, but who hasn't? <laughs> but I, I've uh, never sat there and played a game of like uh, tower defense or uh, fruit ninja or anything like that. Um, I've played Simpsons tapped out sitting in the bathroom. In fairness, oh, wow. Wow, wow, yeah. Uh... <laughs> that says a whole lot of things. But anyway, so, moving on. 5.2, lores and origins. You know, one of the questions that's coming up is, you know, the Thunder King, Lei Shen, who is he? And what the hell is this dude? And why the hell are we going to fight this dude? And why are we going to a Thunder Isle? And why have they killed my flying? Dude, there's a uh, there's a lot of people who feel that like this storyline has pretty much been shoehorned into the middle of this, but I don't know. Like I've been playing through a couple of different quest lines the last couple of days, and I've spotted things where uh, I've been out and about in the Jade Forest, and I've seen NPCs that are in the Jade Forest talking about the Thunder King. Do you think it's been shoehorned in? Well, that's the whole thing. Is like I've smoked a lot of pipe weed and drank a lot of tea with Lord Master Cho and uh, he's mentioned the Thunder King but he'd never really talked about these other Thunder Isle um, everything seems to be localized either on the Floating Turtle which I forget the name of because he told me it once he was brave enough to tell me once and then uh, but he's never mentioned anything but the Thunder Isle um, that I'm aware of or that I during Isle yeah, it, it's just more so it sounded like um, it, it was centralized here, but apparently the, the the way that lore goes is the Thunder Isle is very close to those, um, the Dark Spear Troll Isles that you're used to, and that's why the Zandalari are there, uh, and, and somehow they got ripped apart during the Sundering, and... It just feels like it's kind of being shoved in there and we're supposed to meant to believe it, uh, because... For for the launch of their event, it feels more likely there's a lot of mountain area that's in Pandera. 
Pandaria that um, it's not used. I mean, especially in um, the summit. Oh, so much, yeah. Yeah. And they spread around the dungeons so much, it's kind of disheartening that they used all that dungeon space that you can use lore-wise for, for raids, that you have to go and already make this new aisle that was hidden in the mist and you couldn't see it. And, like, because uh, at least with... Um, at least with Burning Crusade, uh, it came with the expansion pack of um, drain. Uh, the Draenei Island is often the distance far enough where you can't see, but it was added with an entire expansion pack, not like patched in to an expansion pack. Completely. I mean, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from with this. I mean, you, yeah, you're right. With the Burning Crusade, we had the off-world experience in Outland and... And, you know, we, leading up to uh, the launch of Mists of Pandaria, we had the first island that came out of the mists, which, of course, was Darkmoon Isle, uh, which they got from some mysterious sources, which we kind of guess now is the Pandarans. Uh, and then we had, you know, and then again from the mists comes the Wandering Isle, and then again from the mists come Pandaria, and then, like, we're like, okay, fourth time, really? Again from the mists, another island? I swear to God, where the fuck are they hiding these islands? Like, is there, like, this mist thing that's basically flying around? Some dude is going over there with his giant airships and they're blowing away mists eventually as they're getting around and making the stuff appear. I mean, just... Why? They're, again, you're so right. There's lots of space that can be used. I would love if they actually managed to locate a raid inside some of the underground stuff in the mountains that are up there. I'd like to go down into a mountain, like, down under a mountain to go into a raid. That would be cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point, is, like, you keep on discovering this shit, and, I mean, we've been flying on zeppelins and airplanes and shit like that a very long time, and it's surprising, I mean, I can understand why you wanted to stay away from the Maelstrom, but how did we never pass these these things? I mean, my zeppelin leaves every five minutes on the dot, and these islands don't move, so... I'm guessing it's the same type of Titan technology shit that kept uh, Oldham hidden. You know, a giant yeah. <laughs> landmass that's like... Yeah, that was one of the worst uh, kind of ways that they shoehorned that in. Especially when you look at how the island itself actually changed physically in terms of the size of it. Where yeah. like you, they added in like the area for Zulfarak to play through. And it's a ginormous space. Then you look at the ruins of Anchorage... And you look at the sheer size of that physically to fly over and, and all the rest of it. You're like, holy shit, like, you you made my world my world of Warcraft much bigger. And I'm kind of thankful for it, but pff, it's an awful lot to... to I, did, I think the biggest, most painful part to this entire thing is you get to the Thundering Isle. And this is my favorite part. You get to the Thunder Isle by taking a portal and you can't fly there. What? Yeah. And and one thing I would really like for them to see eventually, and I hope it's sometime in this expansion pack, is we're getting these new areas and such, and they already did a rework to the old world, but, I mean, it would be evident at this point that we're now uh, disrupting the peace or harmony that was happening in, in Pandera and pissing off these old uh, emperors and, and kings. Wouldn't they do some kind of counteroffensive and finally attack us and create some kind of raid instance, maybe an outdoor raid instance area in, oh, James, in the old world. James, you're just like, you're, you've been either reading ahead, studying, or else you and Blizzard are sharing the same wavelength. Apparently, and this was kind of semi-half-confirmed, I can't remember on which sources in the last week, but I do know it was confirmed. It was talked about in a couple other podcasts as well that I was listening to, and I'd seen another couple of blogs and, and uh, forum discussions that apparently... This uh, patch here, 5.2, is going to be the last PvE patch in terms of like raid contents that's actually going to be based in Pandaria. 5.3 is going to be like another one of those sort of interim content patches, and 5.4, the next raid patch, apparently, is going to take place on the old worlds in terms of like Kalimdor, Eastern Kingdoms. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who were like, okay, like we spent an entire expansion pissing away our time in Cataclysm, like revisiting old stuff that's been redone new, and it's like, you're taking us back there already, like really, Blaze, really? But, 
there's some people who are happy about it and there's other people who are just like I can't believe you're taking us back there already what you you're already that fed up with Pandaria yes I am done I don't even want to see those zones because of the daily grinds I have to do <laughs> I don't like I fly outside the shrine and I get depressed and I just go back inside the shrine and wait for my summon to go do raid wow I, <laughs> because if I go outside it's either dailies we're going to be farming more Sky Shards. Hartman Unleashed. Holy shit. Anyway, moving along. Replica weapons. Dude, they're bringing back my Blood Moon. I'm happy as a pig in shit. I can't believe that for blacksmiths, they're bringing back an awful lot of things like the two-handed Blood Moon Axe, a two-hand two Lionheart Executioner Sword. They're bringing back a whole bunch of of old weapons that were from TBC that came out, and they're bringing back the Zulaman raid gear as greens. I, wow. People are super, super happy about this. I just want my Blood Moon. That's all I want. Yeah, the Blood Moon X did look phenomenal. It looked like these uh, kind of... It looked kind of like a claw hand, almost, um, that, that really was very unique compared to a lot of other things that you're able to see. Um, it was really identifiable to the Blood Elves, uh, where it had that color scheme, and it—it's I, I, one of those iconic ones that you remember. I mean, you think of the Arcanite Axe, and you think of the Blood Moon, and then beyond that, you start thinking like Quell Sarar and getting into epics, and and then legendary swords that are the ones that you really remember. Um, it was just very identifiable and it would be amazing to have for transmog. I really can't wait to have that because I remember actually helping uh, a my guildmaster like way back actually get all the materials, put them together and then being able to go and like actually make his uh, blood moon axe and I think he had to actually we actually had to hold off the Great Forge in Iron Forge for him to be actually to make parts of Blood Moon. I remember us having to take like a world PvP event in there to try and hold the place off, kill enough people so they were uh, running. So he was able to like spend some time in there trying to forge the fucking thing and put it together. And I remember how happy the dude was. It was actually a guild called Crimson Moon. And the leader of that guild was a orc warrior called Dakarn. We used to orp PvP with back in the day on Ravenholt EU. And I'll never forget like the ecstaticness this dude like just had when like he, he put this together. And as a guild, like we orped the shit out of that when he got that because it was the first one in the guild who was able to get it and because there wasn't a lot of people who were able to get a lot of success in going into Iron Forge to forge the parts they wanted to put together. Because we just had this massive fuck-off world PvP going on in our realm. People loved to get their world PvP on, and it was awesome. But seeing these come back, man, it just made me so happy to see them bring it back. I mean, I'm not, I don't really care about the Lionheart Executioner Sword. I <clears> never <throat> had any love for that. I always thought it looked a little hinky. Uh, and especially now when you look at how the graphics engine has actually improved in game, I still think it looks kind of inky. Well, I don't know if they're doing a, I don't know if they're bringing back the exact model. I thought it looked really cool. I really liked it. Um, but um, the biggest thing that I like about the the blacksmith patterns coming back is that it it's those multi-tiered weapons weapons that you build slowly and the only thing they really had close to that in mop was the two-tiered staffs that inscriptionists can make mm -hmm. and then before that in cataclysm the uh dragon wrath um and that really wasn't crafted that's a quest yeah so the whole point of being able to rebuild the item like it's when you make it it's vi well when you made it back then it was viable to make to just have the first level of it and it was your upgrade you didn't have to worry about getting things because after that it, it turned from the um lunar crescent to the moon cleaver then to the and and then to um uh to bl the blood moon and then uh, beyond that it that it, you were done that's your rating weapon you didn't have to worry about other things and it gave definition to your character and being able to rely on crafting again 
mm-hmm. as opposed to being forced to raid repeatedly and repeatedly for a good quality weapon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be pretty happy with the fact that a lot of these things are coming back. Uh, I, I, but they only are going to be able to be craftable once your realm has actually unlocked the Thunderforge and... You also have to pick up a new reagent called Haunting Spirit, which apparently is a successor to the Blood Spirit. So people were like, yay. And then they seen this, the Thunderforge had to be opened. And they're like, oh. And then they seen, <laughs> then they seen Haunting Spirit and went, oh. Totally understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's something I have to make really hard to obtain. I mean, it was almost identical to, to the same thing because with the... Um... You had to get the primal mites before it to just make the first weapon mm-hmm. and then beyond primal mites you needed the primal nethers and then after the primal nethers you needed the nexus vortexes mm-hmm. so it's still that same kind of routine um to try and make it something worthwhile of attaining get that sense of accomplishment and you get a badass weapon so I'm not too against the whole farming the mat. As long as the the new mat is not bind on pickup like the uh, <laughs> modes of harmony and things like that. Because even back then, they weren't bind on pickup. You could buy them, you could trade them. Not many people did, unless for some reason you go needed money or if you desperately needed money. <laughs> because they really were to make that high-end gear. And it wasn't just weapons at the time. It was the, the armor as well that you would use like one or two pieces for your rating set. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that like I'd mentioned there was the uh, the ZA return of the ZA gear and the Zulgarub gear as well as greens. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to, they had this. If you remember the uh, Zulgarub leather gear that they had from the five man redo in Cataclysm, uh, where it was kind of green and you know had the skulls on the shoulder and it was green. They're bringing back the black one, dude. The black one, black is back. <laughs> my rogue yeah. is going to be super fucking happy black is back yeah it's um i like the nostalgia that they do with it because ZA was really great um it it gave me nightmares of the whole bear runs but beyond that uh the gear looked really great i really liked the look of the troll gear and don't even have to be a troll to make it look good uh, I had... Don't mention the bears. Stay yeah. away from the bears. We've, <laughs> we've been through this before. We are not allowed to discuss bear runs to do with the old Zula man on this podcast ever. It is the only no-go subject we have. <laughs> but either way, the, the gear itself really does look cool. I, I love that whole tribal look that it has and the feathers and the, the little tiki skull mask. It's, I don't know, I just really like it. And, and it'll look great. On lobbies because they're bringing it back. I think it's going to be uh, was it 429 item level? Yeah, yeah. So that's it's still viable gear when you're leveling when you get 90 and something that you can use other than the stuff you buy from the vendors directly. Complete. I mean, I'm actually looking forward to uh, for like uh, hunters. I'm actually glad to see like a uh, tusk breaker come back because uh, I loved having that weapon on my old hunter and uh, I loved having it on my rogue when rogues used to have weapons. I used to love having it for that, but I'm actually looking forward to the uh, Fury and uh, Rage uh, Fist Weapons, which are coming back, I think it's uh, Dull Hawk Talons, the recolor that's on it, oh, I can't wait, like, it, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing those Fist Weapons back in game, it's going to be such a happy time for me, and I know a lot of people are going to be, like, super happy to see them back in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I think it's something good because I like when they bring back things and and a lot of people bitch because they retexture used armors and I mean it's it's a lot better when you're trying to go and make a transmog set now I guess to have the variety and option to do that. Um, it's just the only thing that I because the biggest thing is it's crafted gear. So or is it crafted or is it uh, world drop too? It's uh. I think it's going to be World Drops. World Drops? Yep, get your auction house on. Now, the one thing (laughs) that they aren't actually putting into this, okay, and we're talking about crafting and the rest of it, and I think it's important to talk about this, is, yes, they are putting in the Skyclaw engineering mount. Yeah, like, engineering needs any more help in trying to, like, pick our pockets. But they're actually not putting in the uh, engineering kitchen helper type dude, Pierre. It's not going in. What the hell? 
That's just rude. Oh, I can't believe they're not putting Pierre in. I was actually so looking forward to that. But it, it may turn up later. But when we're talking about crafting, okay? One of the things people should have done, and, you know, you still might have time, so, you know, get your... Especially if you're in EU realm, start getting your grind on. If you're a miner, start getting your ghost ore together. Because if you're a blacksmith, you can actually start putting together your lightning steel ingots, which you are going to have to use to do your replica weapons. If you're a tailor, get your wind cl wool cloths together. Start making your bolts of imperial silk, because you're going to have PvP gear to put together. And, you know, for jewel crafters, you, we've got some stuff, and we also get the chance, apparently, to get some more jewel crafting pets. Not like we actually even needed that incentive. I mean, jewel crafters, this patch, everyone was like, yay, they're going to find a way to actually take jewel crafting money out of the economy with the mounts. And then the mounts are actually barely going for ab above cost on most European realms, from what I can see. It's it's the same with NA, too. Like, um, it's it's cheaper to find a friend to make them rather than buy them. And the ones selling are really at cost almost. It makes me, it's like more of a hassle because I have a jewel crafter. So it's more of a hassle for me to make it, put it up and have to possibly put it up repeated times, even for just maybe like a one K profit. Um, the most I made off of one was maybe five K, but that was just like about two months ago. Now uh, I actually had a surplus of them where I actually gave a couple to friends for Christmas. Well, for the holiday season, I don't know if anyone was Jewish or anything like that, but I said it was a Christmas present because I'm, I'm not. You know, you, you know, you don't mind either way. But no, it's true. Yeah. Like when I have a look, the Voltron of them all, you know, where you combine them all together and you get the Uber mount like Voltron. Like I've seen those going on my uh, realm's auction house for like fifty k. It costs more than fifty k to put them together. For God's sake. Yeah, it's. It's ridiculous because, like, uh, I mean, they look cool. They're flying panthers and and they're colored, but to be honest, when the engineering mounts always seem to go a little bit better. Like for one, none of them are two seaters. I mm -hmm. thought at least they would make the uh, Onyx two seater um, to try and make it a reason beyond it just being black. And being the Voltron mount, you know, yeah. this shows <laughs> how much money I actually have that I got four mounts combine them into one and this just shows how much money i actually have to waste in this game which was which was you know fine in theory hasn't worked out that well same that uh, you know the other giants traveling yak that they had has i haven't actually yeah. seen too many of them around to be quite honest i think a lot of people just looked at that and went you know step too far not buying that yeah we actually have two people in the guild with it one was in the guild at the time and we picked up one person that already had it but beyond that, I don't. You don't. I mean, you might see one or two at the shrine, but since they're ground mounts, it's a lot of people don't use them. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about all this, uh, like the stuff that you need to gather, the one thing that a lot of people who have like a, they're either tailors or they're leather workers uh, or they're blacksmiths. Start gathering things like your ghost doors, your wind wool cloths, your exotic leathers. Start gathering them. The reason being is you're going to have the, uh, what is it, the Deadly Gladiator PvP gear, which is going to replace the Contenders gear. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't have PvP gear and uh, put away, or they're still running around in Contenders gear for whatever reason casually. They're going to go and buy deadly gladiator gear off the auction house and you're going to see an awful lot of it up there and you're going to see some premium prices i think probably in the first two weeks maybe to four weeks uh of this patch going out where people are buying that and they're buying it for their alts that are about to hit 90 to give them a leg up to get them going and these are going to be the same way the contenders gear were so if you're on uh, you have any of these crafters start getting that stuff if you haven't already got it start putting it together as soon as possible grind like a crazy bitch. Yeah, because it's one of the items that you can buy right when you level and get to 90, and it gives you that item boost level. The new PvP gear, it has the PvE stats, so you can PvE effectively. Um, it's a huge moneymaker. We, we had a, a blacksmith, right when the game came out, we had a blacksmith that just rushed leveling blacksmithing and, and got ore and stuff, and he made a fortune. Um, it's a good time when these expansions come out for new season, not expansions rather, but patches come out with new seasons that it just, it makes you so much money so quickly and you'd be surprised. Now the only problem is you don't have a lot of competition too, but 
at least you'll be able to make it for your alts. You'll be able to make it for guildies that will want to buy it directly, and you don't have to worry about the hassle. And also, don't forget to announce it in trade chat, because a lot of people will look for a deal in trade chat that will be about the same price you can get it on auction house, but they can have someone make all the pieces rather than hunting them down. Exactly, yeah. You might be able to pick up a good deal and sweetheart an entire set to someone as opposed to trying to bit part it and then having dudes undercut you. If you can sweetheart an entire set and get a good deal out of it, you should totally do it. And when you're talking about trying to maximize getting your start in 5.2, and you're right, James, getting that crafted PvP gear, especially if you have a 90 and you're about to hit 90 and launch into 5.2, having that crafted gear is a great start. Another great start for people into 5.2, if you haven't already capped out your Valor, capped out your Honor, and capped out your Justice points, what the hell have you been doing? For some 5.2 launches, James, we get to keep our Valor. I know, that's it was a, because they made it really kind of hidden for a long time, they are going to reset it, everybody thought they were going to reset it. I had some friends that actually spent all of it because they thought it was going to reset, and then they had to build it all back up again. They're not resetting it. They still have that weekly cap, so hopefully you can get very close to it. Um, and also make sure to jump on that conquest as well if you can. So that way you can convert the conquest into Valor if you want to. Um, if you're not raiding and not going to be able to get a full 1,000 in a week. Or just to get some of the new PvP gear. Yeah, the uh, because what happened was, and they, everyone assumed and they thought, you know what, they're going to go ahead and they're going to do the, the Valor to Justice Point conversion. And this was off the back of them announcing that, number one, the 5.0 uh, Valor gear was going to be become, go at a 50% discount in terms of, like, say, for example, it was 12.54 a piece of gear. It was actually going to only turn out to be 6.25. And the 5.1, in other words, the Operation Shield Wall stuff, again, if it was, like, uh, say, if it was 2200, you'd get to pick it up for, say, around 1400, for example. 1400 yeah. not for they were going to do the discounts on it. And then a lot of people were like, uh, but you're going to reset our Valor. So what the hell is the point of that? And then they realized, oh, we should probably leave the Valor because Valor is actually still relevant for people taking that gear. Otherwise, it's kind of, uh, it's not being particularly cool or being particularly smart with giving people the, uh, the means to grind and move on. So they actually left it into play. And it's great because on day one, when you get in there and you get to, uh, what the hell do they call this faction? It is the Shadow Pan Assault. Mm -hmm. That's the faction? Shadow yep, Pan Assault. Shadow Pan Assault. Yeah. When you get in there at neutral, okay, so in other words, when you arrive in there, for 1,250 Valor points, you can go in and pick yourself up an eye level 520 neck which is really cool, and after you complete one successful run on uh, the Throne of Thunder into, into that raid instance, you actually are then able to go and pick up either a trinket, a ring, or bracers. So you could actually, like, if, you, if you're capped out in your Valor, you could actually pick up the two of those as well as any upgrades and get your... Uh, because, I mean, the high level 520, like the... What is it? The trinkets and rings, they're all 522s. And the next are 522, so you start picking them up and you start raising your eye level up. And I mean, they kept the eye level quite conservative, I think, for the requirement to get into the LF4, for example, which was 480, which I don't think was uh, was pushing it, considering that if you manage to get a lot of gear from MSV and um, from the Dread Approach, etc., you're still looking at maybe around 476. So a couple of 483s in there, you balance the whole lot out, you should get yourself up to a nice round princely sum of the 480 so not a really a big deal and if you're shy a couple of points you know 522 in there will certainly swing at your direction yeah now the only thing i i hope uh, that you didn't save your your con i mean your valor for is if you got a new weapon that needed to be upgraded because upgrades are being taken out as well um it's not going to work either uh come the patch yeah bye bye to the upgrades you know i'm actually not sorry to see them go to be quite honest but uh pfft, no big deal but uh, talking about stuff being changed in the patch and coming in and out like currencies they're actually like adding more justice points for scenarios we're gonna the valor from dungeons and raids in terms of the amount you earn is going to change and there's a possibility of you also picking up some valor from the old pet battles I'm okay that's with that. 
Yeah, that's a really cool idea because I know a lot of people that uh, they hate doing dungeons repeatedly because they get tired of the repetitiveness and see doing the same dungeon over and over again. But they play the heck out of pet battles. Like they play other players, they did all the trainers and things like that. So finally, adding some other additional bonuses to doing pet battles, it was a great idea. Literally, I mean, pet battles is... I actually love doing them, and to pick up Valor points out of it, to me, would actually be a bonus out of the whole thing, because getting the other stuff, like getting the stones to upgrade my pets has been great. I've loved that. I've loved the achievement points, although I do kind of feel shortchanged picking up, like, five achievement points for, like, a shit ton of work, and I kind of feel like I'm getting the rough end of the stick, or players get the rough end of the stick with that, but... Uh, you know, does, the pet battles themselves are hugely entertaining enough to that I, I don't mind like eventually only picking up five for it. So, uh, yeah, all good from that. But the one thing that totally caught my attention in the last week, James, is, uh, you know, I accused Blizzard previously on one of your podcasts of channeling Dino Riders into uh, the this 5.2 patch. It seems they're not only just channeling uh, Dino Riders, they're channeling a bit of James Cameron's avatar with the blue armored sky streamer. Streamer. Yeah, it it (laughs) looks cool. Um, It doesn't feel exactly lore friendly, but uh, I I guess they got a lot of money for uh, free advertising. But do you know what really bugs me about this, right? Apart from the fact that they ripped off James Cameron's avatar with a Taruk Makto lookalike, okay? They give you this dinosaur flying mount that you can't fly around on on the island, which has lots of dinosaurs on it. I can't even get my dino rider fly around on. What the hell? That just seems... T- but you picked that up for the... Uh, What's it, the glory of the Thunder King Raider, yeah. the Thunder Raider achievement, which gives you 25 achievement points once you knock all those out, but they give you this cool mount that you can't even use on this area. Well, I mean, it's still possible that since that achievement, that getting that achievement is so far out, that they may still modify it. Maybe it'll grant flight or something like that, a new level of flying. I mean... It might be something they're able to change later down the road because people aren't going to be getting it in the first two weeks or so. So I'm hoping that's something. I mean, or at least something to give the ability to fly. Maybe just clearing the dungeon for the first time on LFR or something like that, or a regular raid to gain flight. I can understand the whole concept of them wanting you to experience the world, see what they did and made. But having my bone white primal raptor as badly as I want it, <laughs> isn't going to be enough for me running around an island um, to want to experience it. Yeah. And we're talking about sort of uh, cool stuff inbound. One of the other changes that people should definitely be aware of, and if you're not aware of this, you need to like stop placing yourself periodically underneath a rock. There is changes coming inbound for the transmogs. As of 5.2 going live, there is no more of this main hand bullshit for weapons. It is one-handed weapons so any of those cool main-handed swords that you had and you're like damn it why can't i transmog my one-handed sword with this main-handed sword all of your woes your worries concerns and annoyances have been solved with 5.2 so make sure you have adam and also if you have a two-handed axe you can transmog as a two-handed sword or vice versa it's not necessarily the same for pole arms one-handed axe and one-handed swords you can interchange them for transmogs which I'm kind of not very cool with the whole axe as a sword or sword as an axe transmog thing still. But, you know, they said it's based on the fact the animations are more or less the same. So, hey, uh, there's a couple of swords sitting in my bank. I can't wait to be able to transmog from one hand to my prosh paladin. So I'm really looking forward to that. And also uh, on my rogue, there's a couple of spellcaster uh daggers that i actually can't wait to use as daggers on my rogue and that sounds so wrong but uh, uh it's gonna be a lot of fun for me yeah the uh the only gripe i have about that is that they're making this exception where you can turn swords and axes and things like that as opposed to well i'm stuck with this staff how come i can't have it look like a one-hand sword then yeah or i'm stuck with this one-hand sword and i want it to look like my shot touched staff or 
anything along those lines. It's gonna call it's gonna be causing a little bit more frustration. I mean it gives leeway with transmog for people to experiment and be customized, but it, I I was a whole firm believer in like it has to be at least that type of weapon. I mean, this is just a follow-on from what they did with Hunters, where they could transmog bows as guns or guns mm. as bows. I mean, yeah. all it is is just a follow-on from that. But, you know, they're starting to loosen this up a bit more. and We'll see more and more of this. I mean, I hope we don't get to the stage where we can transmog plate gear as cloth and cloth as plate gear. Ugh. I mean, look, just there, there, there there's, has to be a line in the sand that I hope Blizzard feels strong enough. And, I mean, they have demonstrated this in the past that they have the testicular fortitude to turn around and go hey look this is our line in the sand we know some people are going to qq about it but we're not budging over this line in the sand and i hope to do that with this i mean that would be it, it would i think it would just be good yeah then again they could get money out of the economy with the black um black um black market auction house oh you mean the one that would... no one goes to anymore exactly where i would buy <laughs> all the tier gear for a paladin and wear it on my warlock so people didn't target me first in pvp never until they saw happen. the lines coming out of my hand never gonna happen anyway you're getting some sweet looking uh pvp gear in 5.2 with the next season so oh, yeah. shut up you've got the nicest pvp gear out of all of the classes yet again oh no way druid looks really cool druid looks cool uh, uh druid didn't didn't work for me i mean the whole thing with druids and skulls and i'm like really <laughs> Really? Come on. Druids and skulls. It's Druids means trees and fucking nature. It's not skulls. Death, death well, nights. Well, speaking of nature, what about buying your own farm? You want to be a farmer? Hmm? Oh, dude, this is like one step to player housing. I I'm wish beat that drum, dude, I'm, I'm beating that drum again only because I have player housing in my Rift. And, you know, I keep saying, you know, if Rift can do it, World of Warcraft is no excuse, but when I buy my own farm, I can set my Hearthstone at my own Sunsong Ranch. Yeah, but what are you going to go out there for? The farm? That's it. Yeah, and so I can go gank lobies who are going around Valley of the Four Winds, because I'm one of those assholes. <laughs> Just trying to quest out here. Yeah, and listen, it happened to me when I was leveling, and I was taking my sweet time, as you, you, you know, you remember that, I was taking my sweet time going around leveling while there was loads of dudes running around at 90 and decimating me in Valley to Four Winds. I was roaming around out there at like 86, 87. And, uh, you know, if, if if I had to go through that rite of passage, I don't feel it's uh, unfair for others to have to experience that same rite of passage. Even if it is the role. Traumatize them while they're young, right? Traumatize them while they're young. Hey, I got traumatized. <laughs> it, hey, it's only fair. It's like pass it along. With other things with buying your farm, there's also other benefits that I'm grateful for too that will probably allow me to farm more or allow myself to want to farm more often. That's things such as like the seed bags. That's um, a great the, idea. The master plow actually beating up the vermin underneath the crown. <laughs> you know, I'm actually, that's the one thing I'm actually seeing with this, like that I'm actually very happy about. The introduction of a master plower that when you run it across, those uh, little patches where you can actually see it's wriggling if the if the, you've already planted a seed or if you've got the grey area on it where you can see it's being disturbed and you know there's a vermin under there that when you run the master plow over them they pop out of the ground with only 30% of their health and they're stunned, you know? Because when you have a number of those that are like that they are just annoying. Now, the one thing I wish they did also fix when they were doing this was Making the goddamn scarecrows scare away the birds. That would be really cool. Like, I would love to actually have a scarecrow that actually, like, periodically, like, you would click on it, like, one of the other items, and it would scare the birds away. Yeah, I just wish I they'd think... added that in. That would have been cool. But, uh, but other things I'm excited for for the patch is, you mentioned earlier, the Sunwell. Yeah, like I, I love getting my solo on. Okay, like every week I go in there and I get my solo on through car. I mean, like yeah, people are doing that in, in Cataclysm, all the rest. But I actually like to go in and I like to do my solo runs and clears on. Uh, well, it's not really a clear. I like to go in as far as I can with Ice Crown Citadel. Uh, I like to get my clears on through, uh, like Naxxramas. I like going in there and actually taking on Naxxramas solo. I actually get such a huge kick out of that. I get a kick out of trying to go as far as I can in Ulduar 10. 
I love going into that as well. So the fact that I can, they've actually made that uh, fix to Caligos in uh, Sunwell means I can now add Soloing Sunwell into my weekly rotation, which means I can go in there and try and get that goddamn bow. <laughs> it's great because they they seem to be aiming more towards more transmog stuff. Um, they they add the the special uh, pets in the raids too, so hopefully they'll do more with that and and Sunwell. Um, but that's what everyone kept on getting stuck on was just Caligos. That you needed to get a friend, family member, person that felt sorry for you, come and help you with that. Uh, yeah, more, you know, very often it, for, it was a person that had to feel sorry for me to come with me. It was usually a guildmate who was like, you know what, Ian, alright, I'll come with you and help you do it, but you need to help me with X, Y, or Z. And they could turn around and say, hey, I want to actually try and go and clear the first three bosses out of ICC-10. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, no probs. It's okay. I don't <laughs> mind like just bashing my face off a wall. Marogar Solo, by the way, if anyone has ever tried to do Marogar Solo, it is a biatch, even as a place. It is a biatch. <laughs> but uh, and something else that I'm excited for uh, that we haven't mentioned yet was finally my class, the Warlocks, finally get their green fire quest line. We don't get that Cataclysm spell yet, but we get the green fire. I'm excited about it. Oh. It looks cool. It you looks really, really cool. The last time we talked about this, you weren't actually on the podcast, and I like I was sitting there with a watch and going, you know what, I'm giving this five minutes, and then I'm dumping it, and knowing full well that you weren't present because of how excited I know you'd be about actually finally getting your green fire. And in a way, I'm happy Warlocks now get their green fire. I always thought it was bad. They shared the same color fire as mages. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, the biggest part about it, too, is that uh, it gets a whole quest line. Um, you get the sealed tome, and you get to go through the quest line, uh, for the different parts of it, and it's really uh, lore friendly. And if you like any part of the RP scene of Lord uh, of uh, World of Warcraft, um, it's it's definitely a doable quest. Uh, make sure you do it on your alts if you don't main a warlock or anything like that. It is a level ninety quest though. That's the only downside. Now I would complain about this, apart from the fact I got my way in the last expansion. Uh, with my uh, quest chain for my rogue, so I really can't complain. So, hmm. <laughs> you'll figure that. And I think, James, you know what? That'll do it for episode 12 of the L90 URP. We've stacked up on the energy drinks, we've got our hot pockets and candy and gaming snacks, and we are ready to rush the flag of 5.2 to help our listeners find that fast win when the Throne of Thunder hits their local realms. James, any final words for the boys, girls, gankers, and gankettes at home? Don't Any words of advice? Caffeine. Oh. Do not overdose on caffeine. You'll think you're having a heart attack. You go to the ER room and the doctor will just laugh at you. Wow. See, those wise words. My one would be, uh, just remember, when you take a hot pocket out of the microwave, don't eat it straight away. Cheese burns. Exactly it. And cheese burns are the worst. And you know, that'll do it. If you want to follow us on the Twitter, hit us at Level90Rogue. That's the number 90. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, it is L90URP.tumblr.com. And I meant Tumblr in the first place. Uh, so until next time, keep your poisons up and uh, keep an eye on your back. We'll catch you later. L90URP out. <laughs> Same gang time, same gang channel. <laughs>